Welcome to the St. Paul's Episcopal Church podcast. Here, we will share our thoughts, voices, and prayers. St. Paul's is a progressive community of faith with ancient roots. You can find out more about St. Paul's at their website, stpauls.dioup.org, or find us on Facebook. If you would like to share your words on this podcast, send us a message. May God's peace be with you today and always. twice a week, uh, four, four. And as usual on Sunday or Monday, there are a number of links on the uh, website version of this. If you want to follow those, it's at wordstwiceaweek.blogspot.com. So some of the days from the church calendar, April 5, Pandita Ramabai Sarasvati. Um, she was born as Ramabai on uh, April 23rd, 1858, into a Maranthi-speaking Chivapavan Brahmin family. She's in India. Okay. Her father was a Sanskrit scholar and taught her Sanskrit at home. His extraordinary piety led him to travel extensively across India with his family in tow, and Ramambai gained exposure to public speaking by participating in the family's public recitation of the Puranas at pilgrimage sites around India. Those are texts, which is how they earned a meager living. Ramabai's fame as a woman adept in Sanskrit reached Calcutta, where the Pandits invited her to speak. In 1878, the Calcutta University conferred on her titles of Pandita and Sarasvati in recognition of her knowledge of various Sanskrit works. 
She worked to improve the status of women and children in India, founded a mission where they could shelter, which survives to this day. April 6, Daniel G. C. Wu, born Ung Gi Ching in China in 1883. He arrived as a child in Honolulu, Hawaii. Initially lukewarm toward Christianity, he agreed to assist Deaconess Emma Drant, who taught him English in exchange for him teaching her Cantonese and assisting in the Chinese community in Hawaii. Inspired by Durant's faith, he converted to Christianity and took Daniel as a colloquial name on his baptism, as well as changed his surname to Wu, which is the Mandarin pronunciation of his name, and which Americans not of Chinese descent could easily. Upon his ordination in 1912, Wu became vicar of two missions in the San Francisco area which thrived despite the racial discrimination and other hardships still faced by congregation members. Wu frequented the port of entry, making contact with newly arrived, many of them Cantonese people. He assisted their transition to their new home and culture while keeping them and their children, helping them and their children maintain their Chinese identity and heritage. Wu and his wife, King Yok Wan, and the two congregations offered English and sewing classes for adults as well as Chinese language classes for children. Although the first two Chinese missions of the Episcopal Church, founded in 1874 in Carson, Nevada, and the following year in Nevada City, both folded as a result of the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, both congregations that Wu Shepherd survived to this day, albeit in different locations. They now offer services in English, Cantonese, and Mandarin, as well as continue to offer language and sewing classes. April 8th, William Augustus Muhlenberg, born in 1796, he became an Episcopal clergyman and educator. Muhlenberg is considered the father of church schools in the United States. An early exponent of the social gospel, he founded St. Luke's Hospital in New York City. And also on this day, the church remembers Anne Ayers. She was born January 3, 1816. She was a nun and the founder of the first Episcopalian religious order for women. Born in London, she emigrated to the United States with her parents in 1836. She settled in New York City and tutored the daughters of wealthy families. In the summer of 1845, Ayers heard a speech by Episcopal clergyman William Augustus Muhlenberg and decided to follow a religious life. Ayers gathered other women to teach at the school and do other charity work. They formed the Sisterhood of the Holy Communion with heirs as first sister. Aware of long-standing prejudice against religious orders since the Protestant Reformation 300 years earlier, the new order did not wear habits but had a secular dress code, as well as took renewable vows for three years at a time. The House of Bishops formally recognized the new order 
first religious order for women in the Episcopal Church in 1852. April 9th, we remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German Lutheran pastor and theologian whose life is an interesting story. Um, there's a link on the website. He was part of the confessing church that opposed the Nazis and the rise of Hitler. He wrote a classic Christian text, The Cost of Discipleship, saying that grace was free, not cheap. April 10th, we have two guys today. William Law, born in 1686. He was a Church of England priest who lost his position as a fellow. I love that terminology. I'd love to be a fellow of something. At Emmanuel College, Cambridge, when his conscience would not allow him to take the required oath of allegiance to the first Hanoverian, Hanover, Hanoverian monarch, King George I. Previously, William Law had given his allegiance to the House of Stuart. He continued as a simple priest, then when that also became impossible without the oath, he taught privately, and he wrote. His book, A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life, in 1729, deeply influenced the chief actors in the great evangelical revival. John and Charles Wesley, George Whitefield, Henry Venn, Thomas Scott and Thomas Adam all expressed their deep obligation to the author. It's still in print today and popular, particularly in evangelical circles. And also on this day, um, April 10th, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. He was a French Jesuit priest, scientist, paleontologist, theologian, philosopher, and teacher. He came up with the idea of the Omega Point a point in the future when all reality would come back together as it was in the beginning. At least that's how I understand it. He died in New York City, where he was in residence at the Jesuit Church of St. Ignatius Loyola, Park Avenue, on March 15, 1955, at the house of his diplomat cousin, Jean de Legrand. Teilhard told friends he hoped he would die on Easter Sunday. On the evening of Easter Sunday, April 10th, during an animated discussion, Teilhard suffered a heart attack and died. Some days from the Earth and World calendar, um, back to April 5, it's the birthday of Spencer Tracy and Betty Davis. So, I remember seeing Tracy and guess who's coming for dinner. You remember Betty Davis? Whatever happened to baby Jane? Death on the Nile, or just she's got Betty Davis eyes. And according to Big B's Coffee, it's National Caramel Day. April 6th is the birthday of Merle Haggard, the Okie from Muskokie, the fight inside of me, Silver Wings, Sing Me Back Home, Mama Tried, just a few of his hits. And then how about this? Merle appeared in Season 5, Episode 3 of The Waltons, called The Comeback. He played Red Turner, a local musician who had become depressed and withdrawn after the death of his son, played by Ron Howard. Wait a minute. How did Ron Howard get from Mayberry to Walton's Mountain? In 1924, four aircraft left from Seattle westward on an around-the-world trip. 157 days later, 
Two of them finally made it back to where they started, 157 days. And in 1909, Robert Perry made it to the North Pole. Or maybe not. Quote from Wikipedia, Perry's claim to have reached the North Pole was widely debated in contemporary newspapers, but eventually won widespread acceptance. In 1989, British explorer Wally Herbert concluded Perry did not reach the Pole, although he may have been as close as 60 miles. His conclusions have been widely accepted, although disputed by some authorities. End of quote. What do you think? Um, still on April 6th, the first modern Olympic Games opened in Athens, 1896. April 7th, the World Health Organization was founded by the UN in 1948. And it's the birthday of William Wordsworth in 1770, probably his most famous poem, I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud, Floats on High or Vale and Hill, the Daffodils. It's also the birthday of Billie Holiday in 1915. Have you seen the movie? April 8th, Pablo Picasso died in 1973. Regarded as one of the most influential artists of the 20th century, he's known for co-founding the Cubist movement. You can see his works here. There's a link on the website. He said, I paint objects as I think them, not as I see them. And when I was a child, my mother said to me, if you become a soldier, you'll be a general. If you become a monk, you'll end up as the Pope. Instead, I became a painter and wound up as Picasso. And he said, computers are useless. They can only give you answers. And famously, others have seen what is and asked why. I have seen what could be and asked why not. And then this favorite stewardship gem, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. I like that. In the 1940s, a Swiss insurance company based in Basel had bought two paintings by Picasso to diversify its investments and serve as a guarantee for the insured risks. Following an air disaster in 1967, the company had to pay out heavy reimbursements. The company decided to part with the two paintings, which were deposited in the Kunstmuseum Basel. In 1968, a large number of Basel citizens called for a local referendum on the purchase of the Picassos by the canton of Basel-Stadt, which was successful, making it the first time in democratic history that the population of a city voted on the purchase of works of art for a public art museum. The paintings, therefore, remained in the museum in Basel. Informed of this, Picasso offered three paintings and a sketch to the city and its museum, and was later made an honorary citizen by the city. April 9th, Frank Lloyd Wright died in 1959. He held that structures should emerge from the earth, not be imposed upon it. He said you should build your house halfway up the hill so that you can walk to the top for the view or something like that. We've been in several of the houses that he designed, and I don't know, 
that would be interesting to try and live in them. In 1860, the first known recording of the human voice, Edouard Leon Scott de Martinville, a French printer, bookseller, and inventor, invented the sound recording device called the phonautograph. You can hear him, probably, singing Eau Claire de la Lune. There's a link on the website. It's pretty scratchy. Robert E. Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox in 1865 in the house of Wilmer McLean, effectively ending the Civil War. There's a neat website for the National Historical Park. We've been there. It was a moving experience. And finally, also on this day in 1995, Robert McNamara confessed about the Vietnam War. We were terribly wrong. April 11th, General William Booth was born in 1829. He was a Methodist preacher, but frustrated because he kept being assigned to congregations when he wanted to be free to evangelize. He left the Methodist connection and shortly afterward founded the Salvation Army. It's Poetry Month. You might have encountered him in the poem, Booth led boldly with his big bass drum, Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Rachel Lindsay. Um, Khalil Gibran died in um, 1931. He wrote The Prophet, one of the best-selling books of all time. Well, okay, it's pretty far down the list. There's a link on the website, but it's there. In 1974, there was a musical adaptation on Atlantic Records featuring Richard Harris, Albus Dumbledore, and MacArthur Park. You can buy it or stream it on Amazon, Amazon or eBay or other places online. And on April 10th also, uh, Paul McCartney left the Beatles in 1970. April 11th, Fair Housing Act became law in 1968. I'm sure it has helped, but I sense there is still a long, long way to go. But that's what I got for now.